Welcome to Doing the Most, the series where we talk about the misadventures of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, execution expert, mom, creator, and entrepreneur. This series is here to get real about what entrepreneurial life truly looks like. We are driven, persistent, hardworking, ambitious, but most of all, we are human, and these are our stories. Y'all, welcome back to another episode of Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship with your hosts, me, Georgie, and Getin, aka GSD with Georgie. In today's episode, following up from our previous introduction to season five, and I hinted a whole, whole lot <laughs> at the topic of belonging and community. So I told you a little bit about the fact that I felt like out of place, like living on these, what I call two worlds, two realities for such a long time where I would have really high highs as well as really low lows, got me really overwhelmed, right? And to the point where I would be physically and externally in a room filled with people, yet I felt so alone. I felt so alone, mainly emotionally, mentally, internally, I felt like there was no one here with me. And in this episode, I want to talk about that feeling, right? That feeling of belonging and community, which as entrepreneurs, right? If you're an entrepreneur, you're listening or, you know, this this applies to anybody, but this podcast is for entrepreneurs, whatever, um, <laughs> right? If you are an entrepreneur, you definitely understand that feeling. You have this great idea, some oftentimes for a new system, a new practice, a new policy that people haven't heard of before, that people haven't seen before, that, you know, a lot of it is inside your head and you have to get it out on paper. You have to get it into language that other people can understand and then engage with you on. So for a very long time, it feels really alone. (laughs) It really feels like you don't belong anywhere. And so I feel like naturally as entrepreneurs, we're always searching for that feeling of belonging and community. And if you add on top of that living in multiple realities, that feeling is even harder to achieve. It's really hard to attain that feeling of, yeah, I belong here. So just following up from what I mentioned in the first episode, um, I've struggled I've struggled with belonging in community for a very, very long time, like for almost my whole life as I can remember it. Um, and from a young age, I've been a part of many communities from schools to churches, activity groups, programs, right? But what I struggle with, you know, again, I'm a part of these communities, but what I struggled with is feeling as though I belong in these communities. And that's because I moved <laughs> over 15 times my whole life. I'm only 26 and I've moved 15 times, right? That's more than half my age. So call it like every two years. If we divide it back out, it's more than every two years that I've moved. And this these moves have spanned two countries and three different states um, in the US, right? You know, I moved from Jamaica to the United States and I've lived in Georgia, New York, and New Jersey. I've lived in three different states um, in the US so far. And with each of these moves, I had to join new communities, create new um, you know, I had to join pre-existing communities, new pre-existing communities, as well as like create new communities of my own. I had to find that sense of belonging again and again and again, which I'm a very personable person. Um, I am very extroverted. I'm very talkative. I'm very interactive. So finding these communities wasn't hard. Creating these communities 
wasn't hard either. But what I really struggled with was feeling as though I am enmeshed. Like I really belong here. I'm a part of this community because I would have a fear of letting my guard down. And when I say letting my guard down, I mean really setting roots that were deep. And I'll say it like that because I would set roots, you know, get comfortable, engage, be a contributor. And oftentimes the way I contributed and now like literally in this episode, I'm thinking about it and now I'm talking about it. The way that I would contribute I would sometimes overdo it slightly. Like my nature is to be giving and like, you know, I'm the oldest daughter. So like leadership and like, so I would be, I would give a lot. And so oftentimes I would end up in a leadership position. I would, I would take on a lot of um, account. I would take on a lot of um, tasks. I will um, lead projects. I'll give, you know, directions. I'll offer support. And that's just my nature, right? Like I'm a doer. That's what, you know, I show up in a space and if I, if I see something that I could help with, hey, you know, do you need help? I'll offer that support. And so in these spaces, in these communities, I would and be put inside of leadership positions or more of like a, you know, more in charge versus just like a, I'm participating. And that fed my, my nature. But what I realized is that it wasn't the healthiest situation for me and those around me. And I'll elaborate on that because what that would do when I would jump into a leadership position, certain cases is that I was, I wasn't able to participate. And you're probably like, how, if you're leading it, how can you participate? Think about it, right? The mom plans the birthday party, the dad, you know, the mom or the dad plans the birthday party. Are they jumping on the bounce house? Right. Are they eating cake? Are they eating food? No, you're, when you're in a leadership position or you're a person that's coaching or directing you or managing, right? Management, if you're doing that, you can't really participate, right? The person that plans the group trip doesn't have the best time on the group trip because the majority of that person's time is spent on making sure that everybody else's experience on the group trip, you know, if any questions, if something goes wrong, that person is responsible for reconvening the group, making sure that everything is okay, making sure that the programming is stabilized. Um, that is your role. If you're in a more leadership management, op, you know, overseeing position versus if you're attending, you show up and have a good time, right? You don't have to think about, oh, if the lights go out, like if something happens or breaks, you're able to help but you don't mentally know the show. You don't know what's supposed to be going on. So your, your brain is not thinking of contingencies. Your brain is not thinking of how can I make a backup to the backup to the backup. And so you're not in goal mode. You could really enjoy it. So because of those, again, these are natural skills that I have. They're great <laughs> for the workplace oftentimes. But when you're a part of a community, a part of a space, part of a unit, part of family, inside of a relationship, these traits can be detrimental. Right. And we, you know, we all do job interviews where they're like, oh, what's your weaknesses and your strength? And people are like, oh, this is my weakness and my strength. This is one of those prime examples that leadership is my one of my strengths. But when it came to community and belonging, leadership double was a double edged sword for me as a, as a weakness as well. And so what I've started and, you know, also in work, I've held over two dozen different jobs from part-time to freelance to full-time. And again, being placed in a position of a more authority, 
leadership role um kind of put a bridge in the relationships that I was able to build with different colleagues and coworkers. Whereas, you know, they're looking at each other as equals and it's like, oh, George is coming around. She's a, you know, a little bit superior. We have to act a different way. Or, you know, if I got a promotion and they've been there longer, it's, it be, it be, it builds this unhealthy dynamic for not only me, but for the people around me, right? This double-edged sword of leadership, right? Which is a huge skill and talent that most of you listening to that my show will have. And so... You know, I'd go into these new communities and I'd be the new girl, the black girl, the Jamaican girl, the young girl, the only girl, <laughs> the nerd, um, and or some other unique identifying factor about me that was compared to the other people in the community. And, you know, most of the times I would be the only or one of the few of whatever identifying factors that I had. And so it became difficult because it was like twofold, right? Again, back to those two worlds, two realities. I was not only representing myself. You know, if I was only girl, I had to represent women. If I was only black person, I had to represent people of color, black people. If I was the youngest person, I had to represent the youth. And so naturally, when you're the only person, people come to you and you automatically get bumped up into like a weird-ish leadership role. Whereas like people automatically come up to you for those questions and those answers. Hey, what do you think about this that relates to black people? Hey, what do you think about this that relates to millennials? Hey, what do you think about? So then you're giving your opinion, you know, I'm giving my opinion and just, you know, stating my views or my ideas. And then from there, you know, I'm participating and boom, I'm bumped up to more of a managerial leadership person of interest to come to versus just being on the same level as everybody else that's participating. So the, within that dynamic now, I felt, you know, do I really belong here? And I started questioning myself, like, am I a token? Am I, you know, meeting that diversity quota, right? Especially when diversity and, and inclusion initiatives started, like, boosting and getting more and more um, recognized and popular. I'm like, oh, I'm the only black person here. Like, am I here because I'm smart, driven, persistent, a doer, and you respect that about me? Or you know, is it because I'm black and a, a woman? Like, you know, how much percentage of my seat at this table is contributed to those factors, right? You know, I'm, I know it's always, you know, hello, you see me, right? I'm not passing. Like, you see me, you see a black woman first. Like, that's the first thing that you see, right? And so, you know, it. I kind of got into my head about that, right? Do I belong here? Am I a token? What percentage of my physical features got me to this seat versus what percentage of my mental, my my personality, my knowledge that got me into this seat. Do I really belong here or I was the first one y'all found, <laughs> right? So those dynamics really messed with me, messed with me emotionally, mentally. And I was just like, you know, t- trying to maneuver that. And as I became more known in different communities and I got higher and higher up again that like climbing of that ladder it happened more and more and I had to really just like kind of set myself out of it but that becomes hard too like you're trying to step yourself out of this thing that's happening 24 sevens um and again you start questioning I started questioning which world is real what is my reality versus some stuff that I'm making up what world do I really live in <laughs> right and so um now right for the most part of my experiences um 
I had skills that allowed me to not only engage with people from various backgrounds, but empathize, interact, have powerful, powerful and meaningful conversations, right? You know, you can be in a room and you and somebody is from like completely different backgrounds and it just feels awkward. Like, what do we even talk about? Right. I have that skill because I've been so, so many a part of so many different groups. I could just start talking, talking about anything, right. And having a good time. And so, you know, as I got older, I, I, when I was younger, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm so diverse. I can interact with everybody. But as I got older and, you know, the questions of where are you from or, um, you know, what is your roots and like different things like that. I'm like, I don't know. I was born in Jamaica. Most of my life I spent in the Bronx. I lived in Long Island for a good amount of time too. Like, where am I from? Where do I belong? You know, I don't have a lot of childhood friends or really long-term friendships. I have a solid group and I love, love, love my friends. And I've been able to build stronger relationships with them over the last year. But, you know, I don't have those. Yeah, we just grew up on the block together. I didn't know any kids on my block growing up. I've moved so much that, you know, I didn't know a few people here and there, but I didn't have these extended in-depth relationships that a lot of people discuss and talk about, you know, oh, I met this person, that person in college. I have a handful of people I met in college. I have a handful of people I met in my high schools. And then when I try to mesh, right, you know, once two middle schools, two high schools, two colleges, two elementary schools, and when I try to mesh those groups, I have my friend group that I have from my first high school, my friend group from my second high school. And when we put those groups side to side, they're very different groups. Not a whole, whole lot, but it's there's a clear difference in the type of groups that they are. And it's just like, can sh- you know, they say you're the average of the five people you hang out with. And it's like, when you do my average, it don't make sense. <laughs> because like, she's the average of these five people and these five people. This is the math ain't method. And so with that, you know, again, because I compartmentalize, I had this reality, this reality, this reality. And some of my friends and colleagues will joke about it. They're like, Georgie, we had no idea you did that or you had that experience or you talked about that or you have this and that because I have so much. I be doing the most. I have so many different things that I'm a part of than that I do. And they align to different realities and different worlds and different friend groups. You know, it's it seems all great, but behind closed doors, I was struggling to feeling like as though I truly belonged. I know I could come and visit, right? You know, think of it as a hotel. Like, yeah, I could go and visit all these different places. I had a visa to access all these different places. But where could I set roots? Where did I really belong? And so I started to explore that, right? I started to to call that out. Although I was welcomed and embraced in various communities, I still had that overwhelming feeling of I'm an outsider. I don't belong here. I could visit here, but I don't belong here. Um, and this feeling brought a huge, huge, huge sense of loneliness in my life and um, just made me second guess myself even more, right? Like, am I real? Am I just made up? Am I just like, what? what is this? What is, what is real? What is not real? Um, and so once I started calling myself out on that, I was able to dive into solutions uh, to get out of my own head. And there's two major things that I did in order to dive into these solutions, right? The first thing that I did was say something. I said something. I spoke up about it. You know, I identified this was an issue. It's messing with me a lot. I feel overwhelmed by it. I'm constantly thinking about it. I feel lonely. 
surrounded by people feeling super lonely, super confused, super alone. And I brought it up to my therapist. I said, you know, I don't feel like I belong anywhere. Like I know, I know physically I'm a part of all these groups and communities and networks and all the things, but I don't feel like I belong anywhere. Like I'm just floating above all these different groups that I'm a part of. And I, you know, I pop in, say hi, have, you know, hang out. Then I leave and then I'm back to being alone again. Um, and this is where your therapist will help you out. <laughs> My therapist, she she explained to me that these feelings are normal and can be changed if I want to change them. But I need to keep calling it out and get to the root of it. And the three things that she had me get to the root of is why am I feeling this way? How am I contributing to this effect? Right. Taking accountability. How am I contributing? Because figuring out how I'm contributing would allow me to figure out how I can change the things that I wanted to change. And then the last thing is, what changes did I want to make, right? Do I want to feel more of belonging? Do I want to belong somewhere? Do Is it, is it just a feeling or is it like a real thing to belong somewhere? Do I want to set roots somewhere? Like what is, you know, the what changes did I want to make? So again, the three questions, why are you feeling this way? How are you contributing to this effect? And what changes do you want to make? So she told me to think about those three questions, answer those three questions, and I started really diving into them like you know what how how is how have i contributed to this how you know what do i want from this how do i want things to change and i knew for a fact right the biggest thing that i wanted to stop doing was cold switching right i didn't want to keep talking one way and acting one way in one space and then talking i wanted to show up as just georgie no matter where i'm at like you know, everybody's personalities have highs and lows, but I didn't want to feel like I had a completely different personality based on the space that I was in. So I knew out of everything, that was definitely top of mind for me. How can I stop code switching? This stuff is so overwhelming, so overwhelming. And I'll talk about, you know, coming to America when I was like seven years old, like one of the primary things that we had to, you know, we were focused on is like, leave your accent. You know, you have to speak proper English. You have to um, enunciate. You have to slow down and you're speaking. So if my podcast is too fast for y'all, trust me, this is significantly slower than how I've been speaking for years. And so when you do all that work to fit in and then you go to some an event or you're talking or, you know, you do something and somebody's like, oh, where are you from? Oh, what accent is that? It just, it makes you feel like, all this work <laughs> that I put in <laughs> to make sure you don't hear my damn accent has failed. <laughs> That's legit how it feels. It's like I have spent the last 19 years making sure this thing don't come out. Making sure that the pots don't come out. But here you are, as I'm speaking as proper as I can, ask me about accents. If you don't leave me alone. <laughs> right? So, you know, that's, that's that feeling of, I don't want to keep code switching. If I want to, if a little pop will slip out, or if you hear my accent, or if I'm not talking as proper as I need to be, this is how I speak. This is how I interact. This is me. This is me. <laughs> Friends, family, colleagues, business partners, co-workers, this is me. This is Georgie. 
right? That's the primary thing that I wanted to tackle. Because I felt like if I could be me, I would feel more belonging. Because what would happen is that it felt like, you know, if we separate my, I said two realities. It felt like Georgie from reality track A was doing this stuff, right? In these spaces, this type of person. And then Georgie from reality track B was this person. And it really felt like some type of split personalities, right? Like, who am I going to be today? Am I going to be Georgie A, Georgie B? Like, I, I just wanted to be Georgie. Not Georgie A, Georgie. I just wanted to be one Georgie no matter if I'm in world A, world B, world C, world L, M, N, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V. And any, I wanted to just be Georgie. And so to do that, right, I dove in and realizing that the multiple worlds that I was belonging to I had the opportunity to bridge them. And the same way I had to learn to cover up my accent and then like, you know, assimilate to the New York American accent, whatever you want to call it, is the same way I can unprogram those ideas from my mind. Saying, you know, I, I you know, made up the story that I had to speak proper. I couldn't let my accent come out. And, you know, this, this is not just a story, but you're taught this as immigrants. Um, you know, you'll understand this, or if you speak multiple languages in your household, you'll definitely understand this, right? Um, this is something that you're told to do. The same way I was told to do this, or and I then accepted that, I could tell myself, hey, you don't gotta do this. You don't gotta do this anymore. <laughs> and so I started telling myself, like, you know, how do I wanna show up? Who do I wanna be? What person, what features from Georgie A and Georgie B do I wanna? blend and mesh what behaviors do I just want to completely remove what behaviors didn't feel comfortable for me what behaviors didn't make me feel like I was growing and thriving and being the full authentic me and so I literally made a list <laughs> and started tackling that list right and I wanted to not just show up in spaces I wanted to be present set boundaries and clarify rules of engagement like how do you in this is Georgie this is what she is with. This is what she's not with. And this is how you interact with her. Period. That, like, that's how I wanted to move through the world. So I made my list, made my boundaries, created my strategies, and started, like, living by it. It felt weird at first because I'm just like, oh, no, I'm in this phase. I have to do this. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. You're honing on your true self. And that doesn't look like code switching. That doesn't look like making up. Um, not making up, but that doesn't look like dimming down any part of my lived experience that doesn't look like filtering down any part of my lived experience and so you know I took a step back right and things that I participated in um places that I was and stopped taking on a leadership role right I didn't adjust my personality in a negative way but I'm like sometimes you have to leave room for people to do things whether that they fail or you have a better idea, sometimes you just gotta let it go, right? And I realized I did have some, yeah, some, some control issues, you know? As an entrepreneur, founder, we all know we got a little bit, you know, you want stuff done and you, especially if you have like a brain that is like consistently innovating, ideating, thinking of new, better, faster, stronger ways to get things done. But sometimes you just gotta let it be the old fashioned way. Yes, we can send a mail merge in order to send those hundred emails out in five minutes. But sometimes, just manually send them. Just send them one by one. Nothing is going, the world will not end. 
right? It'll take longer and your brain is like, but I know a better solution. I know how to be more productive, efficient. We know, we know, but it's okay. It's okay. Take the, let the person, well, people take the extra hour, heck, two hours. Send them emails manually. Don't stress over it, right? It's not worth the stress. And it's, you know, it allows that person also the opportunity to learn and research on their own how they could have done it more efficiently, how they could have done it more effectively for the next time. But if you give them the solution fast, 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 though you you take away the opportunity for somebody to learn. So I fell back in a lot of the leadership roles that I had and said, hey, I don't need to be president or director or manager. I don't need to be that. Count me in as an attendee, participant, check. Oh, leader, no, 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 participant. Right. And that was a gift to myself as well as a gift to other people in the space to not just jump it up. Right. The kid that says all the answers, you know, we see this in school where teachers don't pick on the kid that knows all the answers all the time because it's like they're going to know the answer. Allow other people to learn. I had to learn to allow other people to learn. And I remember that same trait applies not only back in elementary school, but now in the real world and life. And I would cushion the fall of a lot of people around me whether it came to business or personal stuff because I'm like oh no don't do that I'll help and my help will come off to come out to be detrimental because they didn't get a chance to fail they didn't get a chance to um fuck up (laughs) and if I know from anything that I've experienced through my life failing has been one of my biggest teachers not getting it right, being able to try, try, try again, figure it out, pivot, change, adjust, grow, learn. That's what has taught me the best. And so I'm like, you know, how dare I take this failure away from this person? That's not right. You know, sometimes, yes, you you can help out. But so I stepped back in these leadership positions and I started playing the game. Instead of coaching the game, I started playing the game. You know, got to get get, get your head in the game. I don't know High School Musical, y'all, but I mean, I don't know if y'all know High School Musical, but... Maybe I'm aging myself. I already told you I'm aging. Anyways, anyways, back back to the talk. Come back with me. See how my mind go everywhere. But back. Let's go. Namaste. Let's go back in. Let's go back in. All right. Are we here? Yes, we're here. Okay. Um, you know, instead of coaching the game, I was like, you know, I, I want to play the game. I want to be a part of this. I want to be an attendee, a participant. And so that's what I started doing. I'm like, you know, somebody else could lead. I'm going to step back. If somebody asks me for help, happily give you the help. Um, if you have any questions, fine, but I'm not going to take ownership of this. I don't need to, nor do I want to. I just want to show up, be Georgie, have a good time. And doing that allowed me to see, um, other people around me thrive and become really great leaders because they had the opportunity to lead. And that was so important for me to see because a lot, you know, I'm not going to lie. Certain people I just didn't trust with certain things. I'm like, you know, don't screw this up. <laughs> and I realized that I didn't give people the right amount of space and opportunities to to try and if they fail to then learn from their failures and then try again and so it was a big learning experience for me and it allowed me to also feel more belonging right you know and so some of the stuff I did again to just move myself um, from this space of power and lighten my load was step down from various organizations um, stop offering to plan everything. I'll be the person, oh, yeah, let me plan the trip. And then when I get on the trip and everything's broken or things don't work, I'm responsible. And I also started participating in my life instead of being an overseer. And that has given me so much freedom, peace of mind, 
and so much gratitude gratitude for the people around me because i've seen people be able to take up roles take up opportunities take up um just take up space in a way that i've never seen them do before because my butt wasn't over there taking up all that space that's neither here nor there right <laughs> um but i've been able to be just grateful and just be in awe like wow you really got this you're really able and just really looking at my friends family and people around me like wow look look at you being great and succeeding and just being able to cheer people on because and i'll go back to my little um example i just mentioned right instead of coaching the game i was playing in it participating and sometimes i even took a step further than participating i was just watching the game be played oh child being in the stands in the audience eating your popcorn getting your drinks and just cheering on the people that's playing the game cheering on the coach feels good yeah um entrepreneurs my founders my leadership folks out there take a step back have many seats have all the seats go don't even get in a game take one round in the game and the other round on the stands because again when you step back in that way you are able to see other people thrive and when you see certain stuff that people have learned from you or just certain people take up responsibility or just people being able to step into a space and just succeeding at it because they have the chance to you're just gonna be like wow look at that that that's amazing look let me cheer let me cheer you on you got all the, the signs waving listen <laughs> stop coaching the game get in the game get on the stands sit back and watch experience it you don't gotta be the one leading overseeing everything experience life because it will go by fast trust and believe so you know i said something and I stepped back. So, you know, I said something, called it out, worked with my therapist, had some strategies. She asked me some strong questions. Then I started doing something, right? First thing, stepping down from those organizations. And the second thing I did was I joined a cult. Uh, maybe I should say that more quick. The second thing I did was I joined a cult. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I didn't really join like a real cult. Some people think it's a cult, but it's not. I know that sounds crazy when somebody says it's not a cult it usually means it's not a cult i promise you like just listen to me listen hear me out hear me out it's not a cult i participated in the landmark forum which has been said to have cult-ish tendencies which i agree with absolutely um before i participated i'm like oh this is a pyramid ponzi this is crazy this is a cult people are wilding because what happens, um, you know, if, if you've heard about the Landmark Forum before or if you have not, is it's a um, personal development weekend. It's three days, three to four days in this space. I have earned my seat at whatever table that I'm at and I am valuable, right? Accepting and learning that allowed me to believe in the true belonging. Like, yes, I do belong here, right? You know, because we it's so easy to count ourselves out like, oh, yeah. Um, I don't match because of this, but forgetting of the reasons why we do belong in that space and being my full, true, authentic self and carrying that with me everywhere that I went allowed me to see, oh, yeah, I do belong here. I am a part of this team and I deserve my seat at the table. So, yeah. 
Um, and I'll, now I want to conclude this episode. This was a little intense. Um, and I want to conclude this episode with, right, the concept and just what I've learned through researching, um, you know, researching and reading about belonging and community, talking to my therapist, participating in Landmark Forum, um, restructuring the way I live and experience um, and how I belong in my communities that I'm in is that in the end, I belong to myself. In the end, I belong to me. And that's what matters most, right? This idea that I have to only belong somewhere, wherever I'm at, I belong there because I belong to me. And this was just a powerful thing to acclaim and to own, right? I belong to me. Like, say that out loud, y'all. Like, just to say that out loud and that believe it as the truth that it is allowed me to not overthink as much, to not feel the need to shift, to not feel the need to um, give up or give in or over. It just, it just brought this level of peace to my life. Like, I belong to myself. I belong to me. So wherever I'm at, I belong there. And I want to end this episode with a final quote that was inside of um, Brave in the Wilderness by Brene Brown. But this quote actually was not by Brene Brown, but by one of her influential, um, most influential people in her life, as well as mine, Maya Angelou. And so this quote, it says, you are only free when you build. I'm going to start over because that was crazy. Again, Maya Angelou, I can't mess up her words. You are only free when you realize you belong no place, you belong every place, no place at all. The price is high, the reward is great. And that, you know, definitely read the book if you can, but Raven the Wilderness by Brene Brown. That quote has a lot of unpacking, but it comes down to the same moral that I said. You belong to yourself. So in the end, you belong wherever you say you do. You belong wherever you show up your full self. You belong where you are valued, you are appreciated, and you are supported. So now I feel definitely a greater sense of belong, greater sense of belonging, and I'm able to thrive in more of my relationships, um, be able to see the bigger picture of this experience that I'm going through and not feel like, oh my gosh, you know, overwhelmed and not not a part of this. Like I am part of this. I'm a part of all of it. All the different schools I went to, all the different places that I've moved. I was a member of that community and I belonged there at that time. And I will be a member of different communities, groups, circles as I continue to live my life. But just holding on to the idea and the truth that I belong to myself and I belong anywhere I so choose to be and that I'm appreciated has grounded me in that so that way I never feel alone, right? I never feel, I have not, since I've accepted this, I haven't felt that sense of loneliness that I felt before and confusion. So I hope this episode has helped um, somebody out there, if it if it's helped you and giving you some value, definitely tweet some stuff, put it on social media, support my Patreon campaign um, for the podcast production, as well as check out some more materials that we have at gsdwithgeorgie.com and keep tuning in, you know, rate the podcast, leave some comments. 
um, and tune in. Uh, coming up next, what I'm going to be talking about is habits and boundaries. And I know y'all not ready for that or entrepreneur people out there. <laughs> um, I know this was one of the hardest themes for me to maneuver. And again, I'm going to share some personal stories, um, some tangible things you could do, as well as some book recommendations and life learning. So tune in for the next episode of Doing the Most the misadventures of entrepreneurship and i'll see you over at gsd with georgie on all social media channels if you want to continue the conversation thank you so much and we'll see you next time thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of doing the most catch us here next week same time same place if you can't wait head on over to doingthemost.xyz to stay connected until next time keep on doing